There hasn't been an F1 race. Don't freak out. <laughs> You've got a notification. You're thinking, hang on a minute. Did I miss a race? No, you didn't miss a race. Trevor along with you from EFTM. This is the EFTM F1 podcast, and we've been teasing for a few weeks now the amazing success of Oscar Piastri. Aussie, who has won the Formula 3 Championship and did that before the uh, hectic Grand Prix on the weekend. And the great news is, at this very early hour of the morning here in Australia, it's late at night in the UK, where Oscar is, and I've got him on the line. G'day everyone, I'm Daniel Ricciardo, and you're listening to EFTM, everything for the man. Well, I thought we'd go from one uh, one legend to another legend and a very much a future champion, a current champion, and, and an Aussie that you're going to hear a lot about. We've been talking about him for weeks on the EFTM F1 podcast because, frankly, the Formula 3 Championship has been way more exciting than the Formula 1 Championship, except for a couple of races that they've lucked into uh, for non-racing reasons in Formula 1. And I'm talking about Aussie Oscar Piastri, and he joins me on the line. Oscar, congratulations, mate. Formula 3 champion. Thanks very much, Yep. Thanks for having me. How does it feel? Yeah, it feels uh, pretty crazy to to have actually pulled it off. Um, yeah, obviously I've had a bit of time for it to sink in now, and yeah, just all the all the support's been unreal, and yeah, just very very happy and, and proud of what I've been able to achieve this year. And, and your bloody well should be too. Uh, what here's what I'm curious about from the the pure race perspective. So obviously you would know time zone wise, your race happened at prime time for us it was Fenicum dinner time so I'm sitting with the kids watching you in the final race trying to do the maths on what you need trying to explain to the kids what you need to to win the championship and it all hell breaks loose on the opening lap and you know kind of looks pretty good for the championship but then there's this whole mathematical equation about what Teo's doing up front what are you aware of during the race in terms of his position your needs how much communication is going on about that um, there wasn't heaps of communication uh, during the race, to be honest, um, and that was kind of my preference anyway. Um, right. Just sort of leave me to to do what I need to do, and obviously, you know, wherever I end up, that's where I end up. Um, I knew, well, once Logan was out, I knew that they had to finish at least third to, to even, you know, get in front of me in the championship, regardless of whether I scored or not. Um, and then, yeah, obviously he ended up getting to third. So I, um, yeah, had to, had to put in some work to make up a few spots. Um, but yeah, I was, was pretty focused on where I, you know, just my own race. And then, yeah, obviously if you have to in the end, I just double checked that we were all good for the championship. Um, and, and yeah, it was, was enough in the end. Is it true that in F3, it's it's a very different formula to, to say F1, obviously, in terms of the teams? Because the other Prema Racing uh, drivers, uh, they're independent drivers. Uh, th- there's no chance that, you know, they're, they're going to let you pass just to let you win the championship. Is that how it works? Or would would you have potentially got one point off Vesti by letting you through, do you think? Um, well, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a, a teammate element. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, we're, we're still individual drivers, but... Um, you know, I think if, if there's people that are out of the championship equation, then, you know, I, they wouldn't necessarily let you pass, which Fred didn't. Um, but, you know, he certainly didn't make life, life difficult when I <laughs> was attacking him. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously as teammates, regardless of, 
of you know whether we're, we're all paying our own bills or, or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, the number one rule is still you know don't cause any trouble with your teammates. So um, yeah, he didn't make life too difficult, but he certainly didn't just uh, open the door and, and wave me by. Which is also what makes um, seeing Logan out on the opening lap difficult. It's obviously a a boost for you because it makes the championship a lot easier to obtain, but must have been hard to see a bloke, you know, uh, drive, to drive past a bloke on the opening lap. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's I can only imagine what he was feeling at that moment. Um, yeah, I can imagine it's pretty, pretty heart-wrenching to, to go out without even really having the chance to fight. Obviously, he was starting fifth and I was 11th, so he was sort of in the box seat mm. to, to wrap it up, really. Um, and yeah, to have that chance taken away after after two corners was yeah pretty pretty hard to watch for him let's go back to the start mate uh, tell us about oscar piastri where are you from who are your folks what, what what's your what's your childhood look like as an aussie so i grew up in melbourne uh brighton to be specific mm. um yeah mum and dad and, and got three sisters so uh it was a pretty hectic household growing up <laughs> we all play a lot of sports so uh Mum and Dad were were taking us everywhere. Obviously, Dad was usually taking me all across the country going uh, go-kart racing. And Mum was uh, taking the girls to netball or, or softball or whatever sports they were playing. So what got, um, you, into, what got but, you into karting? Was it was it something your dad wanted to see you do? Did you have an interest beforehand? Um, well, I think sort of in our family, motorsports kind of uh, been a passion of ours. Mm. Uh, both my, my dad's dad and my mum's dad are... Uh, uh, mechanics, and then my dad's business is a cartooning business, so it's kind of naturally run in the family. Uh, and then we, I actually got a remote control car um, <laughs> from my dad when I was about six, and I, I started racing those at sort of a state and, and national level. Uh, and yeah, we met someone through through that, and then when I was about ten, I had to go on a, a go kart, and uh, yeah, all kicked off from there. So, when did the eye to Formula One turn on? When did you think that maybe actually this is this is me, this is my career? Because most kids in karting love it, but you know they don't think that they're going to be a European race driver, let alone you know set a pathway to Formula One. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you know it certainly didn't really kick in until I started racing karts in Europe. Um, I think yeah, I did. I did a couple of races out in Europe. In think one in 2014 and a few in 2015, um, and yeah, it was it was good to know that I could kind of mix it with the guys at the front, mm. um, and then yeah, we committed to a, a full European season in cards in 2016, and then uh, continued in Europe into into single seaters. So, so so you're going alright here. You're having a bit of fun karting. You're maybe winning some races, and your your dad and you agree to you know go to fly to Europe and and do some racing. And that's just a kind of temporary thing, just to give it a fang. And then you go, hang on, I'm pretty good at this. And you, as a family, essentially make a commitment to Oscar being a, a carter in, in Europe for a year. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we kind of had was one specific race in, in 2014. It was the uh, called the IAMI International Finals. Um, and that was kind of a, a very good judgment of whether we'd try and continue in Europe right. um, and I went from 21st to 3rd in the final um, <laughs> so so yeah that sort of uh, made life difficult for dad in terms of uh, uh, there wasn't really any turning back to Australia after that so yeah we, we definitely had 
some kind of commitment to Europe after that race. Um, and then, yeah, the next few races, I think I did the European Championships the next year with kind of a smaller satellite team. Um, and, yeah, they went, went reasonably well. I think I was around the, the top 10 in the, in the overall standings and then, yeah, went, went for a full commitment for 2016. But let's be clear, in 2016, what are you, 15? I mean, this is, you're so young. Yeah, so I turned 15 in 2016, so I moved over to the UK with my dad uh, at the beginning of that year, so when I was 14, and we lived together in a, a pretty small flat um, <laughs> for about six months, and then just by coincidence, I um, we lived around the corner from a boarding school called Haleybury, which is where I went to school in, in Australia. Um, and yeah, we enrolled me there because the school year in Europe starts in September. So September of that year, I was uh, going to Haleybury in the UK, which is boarding school. Um, and yeah, and I spent the, the rest of my schooling life there. So I was there until, uh, well, I was supposed to finish in June of this year. And then obviously the coronavirus break brought that to a bit of an early halt. But um, yeah, I finished up this year. It makes it quite clear, really, when you hear drivers talk about the sacrifice their parents made and stuff it's very raw for you it's very very real for you because it's happened literally in the last couple of years it's not something that happened 10 15 years ago it is a massive family commitment isn't it yeah exactly um you know obviously with three sisters and they're all younger than me so it's i can imagine it was pretty tough for them uh my hope was there was some emotion of me leaving <laughs> home at 14 um but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, luckily today we've got, got FaceTime and, and yeah. you know, everyone's sort of at your fingertips on your phone. So there's still a uh, decent message of contact. Obviously, you know, it's not, not the real thing. But, um, yeah, well, we always make sure we stay in contact. And, um, yeah, I think now it's, you know, it's kind of my normal, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm older now. I'm 19. So I'm kind of... Uh, well, I'd like to think at this age, regardless of what I was doing, I'd probably be thinking about moving out of home yeah. at, uh, at some point. But yeah, I think at, at 14, 15, it was a pretty bold decision. But I think boarding school really helped out with that. It was kind of like living with my mates yeah, right. uh, the whole time. So yeah, I think that definitely kind of helped with being all so far away from home at such a young age. Now, this might, might be left to field, but it's something that really sticks in my mind is Mark Webber. I don't know whether, I think it was after he won his first F1 race or it was somewhere in that period, not when he first got into F1, but somewhere in the in the heights of the Red Bull era. I remember he shared a photo on social media, Twitter, Instagram, wherever the heck it was, of a piece of paper that I don't know whether it was in 94 or somewhere, but he and someone else in his career had worked out these pathways to F1, all the all the careers there was, you know, doing it in Australia and Oceania, and then there was going to Europe and doing it through the European uh, formulas. And it was fascinating to me because he basically just ticked the boxes and went, right, done that, next, done that, next, done that, next. Did you have a pathway in mind once you realised that racing was your thing? And and how's that pathway looking? Um, well, I, I think my dad probably had more of a pathway and idea of where he was going to go, where, I, where he wanted me to go. Um, you know, obviously he was the, the main one paying yeah. most of the bills, especially in the early days, so... Um, I think the pathway once we committed to Europe was very much uh, do a year in carts and then if I'm ready for the step up, then go to F4. Yep. Um, 
and then it was very logical to go to Formula Renault F3 and then, uh, yeah, planning on going to F2 for next year and then hopefully all things going well, F1 uh, after that. But, yeah, yeah I think nowadays it's, it's a pretty clear path. Um, generally, it's, once you get out of cards, it's pretty much the pathway I've been on. So F4, Formula Renault, Formula Regional, F3, F2, F1. Um, so kind of makes it a bit easier. I think back when Mark did it, it was a lot of various different championships um, that you could do. And, you know, I think times have definitely changed a bit since then. So it's a bit more streamlined now. But, um, yeah. Mark Webber did it. a – I remember maybe a year and a half ago he did a Instagram – you know, one of those days he was sitting at the airport bored or was batshit probably and he did a, you know, ask me anything kind of thing. And someone said to him, you know, who, who do you – who do we put our eyes on? And he mentioned you. I think that was the point where I, I followed you because I thought, you know, here we go. Um, but that was more, I didn't realise it was more than just, you know, him having an eye on a bloke. He, You know, you and he have a, a close relationship. How did that come about? Um, so my trainer that I've had for about, uh, I think four, now, four years now or five years, um, he worked with Mark during most of his later career, so while he was at Red Bull and at Porsche right. in uh, LMP1. So we always had that mutual connection, um, and you know we didn't really explore it too much until things got a bit more serious. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, the Formula Renault campaign last year was, was looking strong, and towards the end of that, we yeah sort of explored that connection and, and made contact with Mark, and we were keen to work together, and he was keen to return the favour. Um, and, and yeah, so it all kind of kicked off with, with that mutual connection um, with my trainer. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a tough, tough time, coronavirus, uh, for many people in the world. And, and obviously there's some, there's some serious things going on. But just in a, in a personal level, completely changes the way you win a championship because there's no crowds there. It's very different uh, just in the, just in the in Park Ferme, you know. But Mark Webber was... He was there. Like it was, like I was sitting with the boys. We're like, oh, I wonder if any of the F1 guys will come out. And then we went, oh, they're in a different bubble. They can't. But there's Mark Webber, masks on. And, and it must have been great at least to have that connection as you, as you got out of the car having won the championship. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to be there, to be honest. Um, yeah, I won't go into too many rules, but I'm not sure how many he would have broken to do that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was was really good to have him there yeah um yeah i knew he was at the track but yeah wasn't expecting him to be sort of in my face as i jumped out of the car but very cool and yeah nice that he's uh prepared to to bend a few rules to show his support you mentioned the the process of racing and paying the bills and stuff talk to me about the process of racing for Premier. i mean this is a team that's won one and one. It's uh, it's obviously the team to be in. Is racing F three something you get paid to do, or you're relying on sponsors funding your drive? I mean, we're still at that point where you're you're essentially buying your way through your career with with the support of great companies. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm definitely not getting paid. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, it's it's very much very much relying on you know both my dad's funding and. And also sponsorship as well from from other companies. So um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of difficult being being from the other side of the world. Um, you know, obviously for Australian companies, it's you know it's it's difficult to you know especially if they're local companies to have. It's, it's a tough one for them to sort yeah. of advertise on an international scale. There's not really any relevance. So it's been tough to, to find Australian funding. Um, but you know, Mark and Anne have been 
very helpful on that side uh, since they've jumped on board. Uh, and yeah, I think I'm hoping that uh, winning the championships uh, opened a few eyes across the world in terms of sponsorship. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it makes life a bit easier. And yeah, obviously, unfortunately, just the way it is in the way of, in the world of motorsport, it kind of just gets more expensive until you you make it really. Um, so. Yes, any any sponsorship that uh, we can get is is very much appreciated and helps a lot. And I guess that's that's uh, goes back to that point about Mark's time. It was very different back then. But Mark, you know, still had to find some intense sponsorship to get him through. So Prema, um, uh, without doubt, the powerhouse in both F two and F three. Uh, Mick Schumacher, you know, doing very well. There's obviously talk right now of him making the jump up. I'm, I'd put him at Alpha Romeo without a question, personally, but. What are your chances now of driving for Premier in F2 next year? Because it'd be the team to choose or you're open to driving for someone else because you just need to be in F2 next year? Um, obviously, I'd be very happy if I ended up at Premier in F2. Um, you know, we haven't decided on anything for next year. Um, but yeah, like you said, they're definitely a powerhouse, especially in F3 and also in F2. Um, I think it's probably spread out a bit more across a few more teams in F2. Um, you know, also Prema, Virtuosi, uh, ART, uh, even Dams have, have been quite strong in the last few rounds. So, um, yeah, I think it, it'd be great to end up there if I if I can for next year. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll find out in the next few, few weeks and months um, where I end up on the grid next year. And you basically wait till the F2 season's wrapped up and, and that would be the, the time to really see the, the cards fall into place, I would assume. Yeah, to be honest, I think it'll probably happen a bit earlier than that. Um, I think it'll probably happen in literally these next few weeks because yep. um, the, the F2 season finishes very late. I think they finish on the first weekend of December. Yep. Uh, and, then, and then we've got the official F2 postseason test after that. So... I think most people would have decided where they're going to be for next year before that postseason test, and then obviously do that test with the team you're going to race for. So, um, yeah, I expect it to be the, the grid for next year to be decided uh, sooner rather than later. I know I'm jumping around, but just going back to the pathway, do 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 you think that Australia needs a, a stronger open wheeler uh, program pathway? I mean, Motorsport Australia. I get the sense that everything you do is independent. You just you and your dad just doing your best. It doesn't really feel like you know you, the 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 sport in Australia really does much to 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 guess help people through. Is there more that motorsport Australia could be doing? Um, I think it's a tough one. Um, you know, obviously supercars is the main sort of category in yeah, Australia. Um, so it, it's a very different ball game. Uh, obviously, in Europe, the epitome of the mo- of motorsport is F1. So, um, you know, it makes much more sense to have this massive single-seater ladder. Um, whereas in Australia, it's, you know, obviously jumping out of go-karts and, and whatnot, it's still pretty common to jump into single-seaters. Obviously, Australia had their four championship for a few years. Um, but, yeah, well, I think without sort of a main headline open-wheeler category, it doesn't really make that much sense. Um, to have, you know, obviously it, it, it's still important to have, obviously Formula Ford's very strong at the moment still, I'm pretty sure, in Australia, um, as sort of an entry-level yep. 
racing out of... It's become a very state-based so, league kind of thing, though, so it doesn't really feel yeah. like a pathway. But you're right. I mean, in the end, you know, supercars is, is what, what what we aspire to as a viewer sometimes. So, And then, you know, Formula 1, you know, mate, the thing about you right now, I mean, obviously there's a dream for Formula 1 and there's, there's 20 drivers there, but even just think about narrowing down the number of drivers in F1, F2 and F3, and you in 2020 were one of them uh, out of 8 billion people. And... Uh, Mate, there's only three championships at that level, and you, you've won one of them. It's it's it is still an amazing thing to think about, and it's it, you to be absolutely congratulated for it. But I mean, it's the end of the year; the season's done and dusted. I'm assuming, given that F2's coming up and the and the the end of year testing and stuff, you won't really have time to duck home and and see the family. It's it's going to be a European life uh, for a while now. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough because obviously Victoria's in uh, yeah. lockdown at the moment, so. I think at the earliest I might get home for Christmas, um, okay. but even even that's looking very... It's looking tough without a quarantine and all that kind of stuff, mate. Yeah. Um, so, and kind of the timing of the post-season test, which I think is going to be sort of around the 10th of December, that means even if I leave straight after that and have to quarantine for two weeks and, you know, it's not... You get out on Boxing Day. Get out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get home for, for Christmas, um, but that'll definitely be the earliest. I won't be heading any home anytime soon before that. Um, but, yeah, it'd be good to head home at some point before everything kicks off uh, yeah. at the beginning of next year. I'm sure your sisters miss you. Um, the yeah. <laughs> being uh, being yeah. in the in the black uh, race suit uh, for Renault, Renault on the wing. Um, it's a big deal to be part of that Renault Academy. Does that mean that? And see again, as a viewer of Formula One, it feels like there's all these kind of um, again pathways. But you know, groups that you're in, you're a Mercedes, you're a Red Bull, you're a Renault. Does that limit your F1 options, or are you actually open to do whatever you need and whatever you want to get into F1? Um. Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm in the Renault Academy for a reason. And they believe in my talent. Yep. Um, and, you know, I want to stay loyal to them. And, you know, they've been great so far. And I really appreciate all their support. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know. I'm sure there's probably some clauses written in small print somewhere. Yeah. Just do a Kanye but. West and, and just put all of your <laughs> contracts on Twitter and see how it goes. Just don't pee yeah. on, on your F3 trophy. <laughs> um, we're all putting the mockers on Esteban, don't worry. We're doing our best. He's a lovely kid, but we, we'd, we'd, we'd put the mockers on him for the next year just so he get that seat. Just finally then, uh, if if 2020-21 goes well, that's F2. Um, is it a two-year process in F2? Well, how soon can we see you in F1? Um, why? Well, I think we all know it depends on a lot of different factors. Um, yeah, if F2 goes, goes really, really well, then I think I've already got the points for a super license at the moment. Um, so technically I'm officially qualified for F1. Yep. Um, that but, championship gave yeah, you that qualification. So, I mean, you know, uh, just a, a Friday test would be a nice thing, wouldn't it? That, I mean, it would be an amazing dream just to drive an F1 car, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Uh, I haven't heard anything about it yet, but yeah, it would be very, very special to drive an F1 car, for sure. 
Mate, I know it's still very, very small in terms of the overall scheme of things back here in Australia, and I think that's to be respected. You can't assume that just uh, because you're an Aussie and you won a championship means that you get, you know, major news headlines. But I have no doubt that the the country, in terms of the F1 fans, know who you are. You would have seen that through social media. Um, I hope that you can feel the weight of the country behind you after you won that championship, and uh, and mate, they're yeah. all there for you next year, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, definitely appreciating everyone's support. So, uh, yeah, cheers to everyone. It, uh, yeah, definitely boosted me through that final weekend and the reception of my wins being unreal. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Congratulations again. Appreciate your time taking it, taking it out to have a chat. And, uh, mate, we'll be following closely. Thank you very much. Cheers. What a bloody legend. Um, really appreciate his time. I've been pestering him with little messages on WhatsApp for a couple of weeks now. Um, and uh, a sincere thanks and a shout-out to my great mate, Ian Salvestrin, who um, is one of my oldest or longest-term mates. We went to school together, year 7 to 10 at Griffith High School. Uh, he is now the official commentator for the, I don't know, the World Karting Series, the uh, F3 Regional Championship. And I said to him a few weeks ago, I said, mate, I've got to get in touch with Oscar. Can you, can you, can you track him down for me? He said, track him down? Here's his number. So I appreciate Ian's help on that, and I appreciate Oscar being so willing to chat. Um, it means a lot, and he is a, just a little champion. Uh, follow him on every social media because he, I think he needs to see that support continue, and that'll be what's going to be great for him over the couple of years ahead before he gets to Formula 1, because I've no doubt he will. Oscar Piastri, O-S-C-A-R-P-I-A-S-T-R-I. Oscar Piastri, you'll find him on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And again, we appreciate his chat. Share that with uh, everyone you can because it's really great to hear the insights into who he is, what he's done and where he's going. Uh, We'll be back for the next Grand Prix. In fact, I'm not quite sure how we'll be back for the next Grand Prix. Oh, straight up with you, I've got. A, I'm, gonna, I'm taking the kids away. So working with uh, Harry and Connor to work out whether or not we can do a remote or something or whether we just skip Sochi because it's a rubbish Grand Prix. Uh, we'll make that call later. Thanks again to Oscar and Ian, uh, Oscar Piastri. Future F1 Aussie and uh, most importantly, current F3 champion. We'll talk to you soon.